Now we want to take a moment to, to study his word together, to look at the truths of God that never never change. If you have a copy of the Bible, I'd encourage you to grab that or turn your app on. We are going to spend some time in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. And again, hey, grab a notepad, you know, grab a Google Doc, grab something to write with, something to write on, or a diary if you're still into that kind of thing. We'll invite you, hey, make observations as we look at his word together. Ask God, what might he want to speak to you? What observations, what questions, what things do you notice as we study his word here um, together? And uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that describes a church. Scratch that. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that describes a church that is absolutely flourishing in a season and in an atmosphere in which you would say there is no way this church should survive. And yet not only is it surviving, it is completely and entirely thriving. And I don't know if you knew this, but the church of Jesus Christ is resilient, y'all. It is stubborn. It, it continues to plow through the most difficult of seasons. As tacky as this might sound, it's built Lord tough. It can survive some of the most difficult things and the most difficult environments imaginable. And that's not true just for the church we're about to look at in Acts chapter 2, but it's true for the church of Jesus Christ in whatever era it may be found. And uh, it's really interesting, by the way, that, that we had been planning on talking about this section of scripture this very week. And we've been planning that for months and months, having no idea what season we would be in. Coincidence? We think not. So again, if you have a copy of the scriptures, we are going to be in Acts chapter 2, we'll read a section of scripture starting at verse 42 and all the way through verse 47. Again, jot down what you observe and the questions that come up as we read through this section of scripture. I'll share some of my observations. We'll be so keen to hear some of yours. And so even now, Lord, we pray that you'd open our eyes and help us to see what you want to speak to us. And give us the courage to live the things that you reveal to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so here's how Luke describes this church in Acts chapter 2. Starting at verse 42, he says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, virtually, of course. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Verse 47 praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow, what an incredible description 
of a thriving church. And man, I wish I could hear all the observations that you made, all the things that stood out to you as we looked at this passage of Scripture together. And I trust that in your conversation groups, you have the opportunity to share some of those things. But a few things that stood out to me as we looked at this passage, in fact, four things that just jumped out to me from this passage that I want to take a few moments um, to point out. And here they are. The first thing that I noticed were the miracles. Oof the miracles. Um, Luke says in verse 43 that they experienced many signs, many wonders. Those two words, by the way, signs and wonders, they're synonyms. They mean the same thing. It's a way of describing experiences that cannot be explained humanly. Miracles. And uh, this church is described as being marked by inexplicable and unexplainable moves of God on a regular basis in their church. People were constantly blown away by things that could only be explained as God did something no human being could possibly do. And uh, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church like that. I don't know about you, but I want to experience the unexplainable. I want to experience God doing things that no human being can take credit for because heaven did something miraculous. Uh, The second thing that stood out to me was this idea of favor, the favor. I I, I love that description. Uh, Luke says in verse 47, that this church enjoyed the favor of all people. The idea of favor uh, means to have good feelings towards someone, to have good thoughts, good feelings, good vibes towards someone. And Luke says that even in an environment that was generally hostile towards religion, that this community respected and even liked the church. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church that lives in a community that likes and respects us, to be honest. I want to live and be part of a church that has a community saying we don't even believe what they believe, but we respect them. We don't agree with what they say, but we like them. Matter of fact, we want to hire them. We want our crazy kids to hang out with their crazy kids. Um, We not only put up with them, but we enjoy them. And if anything were to happen and they were to shut their doors or to leave, we would grieve because we have such good vibes towards the church. I want to be a part of a church like that favor apparently marked this church. The third thing that stood out to me was this idea of revival. Revival. Luke says in verse 47 that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I'm telling you, this should be the dream of every church. Not that God added to their budget. That would be pretty cool. 
Not that more people attended their church services, that would be cool too, but that more people came to Jesus. That is absolutely awesome. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church like that. Before I go, Lord, help me to experience a place in which revival isn't rare because people continue to come to Jesus in faith. A pretty amazing description of the church. And as I read this passage, these three marks of a thriving church stood out to me, that they experienced the miraculous, that they experienced favor from the community, and they experienced revival on a regular basis. And if you ask me, I believe that this is not just possible, but I believe that the church today should long for these things to mark our churches. We should long for these things to be true about us as well. But here's the thing, though. Um, I also noticed that the marks of a thriving church were results. I don't know if you picked up on that as you read this passage of Scripture, but I noticed that the marks of a thriving church were the results of the practices of a thriving church. Because again, I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a thriving church. I want those results. But the question is, am I willing to practice the things that lead to the results that we just saw of a thriving church? I want the marks of a six pack. I'm not going to lie. In fact, I want them pretty bad so my son starts, stops giving me a hard time, but that's a separate issue. The question is, am I willing to practice the things that result in the six-pack? I want to be a part of a church that's experiencing the miraculous. I, I want to see God healing coronavirus. I want to see God healing cancer. I want to see God restoring marriages that everyone believed were beyond repair. I want to see God bringing relationships back into peace that we're experiencing nothing but tension and discord. I want to see God move in ways that blow people away. And the only way we can explain it is heaven did something no human being could have done. I want to be a part of that. I want to experience favor. I want to experience a church that is loved, liked, enjoyed, and respected by its community. I want to be part of a church in which revival is not rare, that we are constantly, not every year, but on a regular basis, hearing stories of people who are crossing over from death to life, experiencing forgiveness in the person of Jesus, experiencing the friendship with God restored. I want to see people experiencing a change of eternal address and heaven is their new home. I want to be a part of a movement like that. I want to be a part of a place in which God is doing great things. That's not the real question. The real question is, am I willing to practice the kinds of things that result in a church that is marked by thriving. And as we carry on this conversation in the next number of weeks, we want to start asking the question, what are those practices? What are the practices that lead to a church that thrives regardless of what season 
it lives in? What are the practices that lead to a church that's experiencing God moving in ways that cannot be explained humanly, in which revival is not rare? What are some of those practices? And are you willing to practice those things? And if your answer is yes, then I say praise God. Mine is as well. And if we're going to practice the kinds of things that result in a thriving church, it is going to take a certain kind of attitude. And if you remember, I said four things stood out to me from this passage, and I've only mentioned three. Because the fourth thing is not so much a practice, and it's not so much a result, it's more of an attitude. If we are going to practice the kinds of things that lead to a thriving church, it will take an attitude of devotion. Devotion. I don't know if you saw that here right at the beginning of the passage in Acts chapter, four, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer and to a number of other things. And what we see immediately is whatever it looks like to practice the kinds of things that lead to a thriving church will require devotion. Devotion. Um, The word devotion means to give constant attention to something. It means to make sure that I don't miss or forget something that matters immensely to me. And as I say that, I'm so thankful that we live in a culture in which we don't have to teach anyone what it means to be devoted. We are all constantly paying attention to certain things. There are certain things we just will not miss. I'm telling you, we are all instinctively devoted beings, uh, whether it's to a weight issue. So you won't go very long without stepping on the scale to make sure it's your, your bank balance. You've got to check it and check it again to make sure it's staying in a certain place. Or maybe it's your phone. Man, we are devoted to our phones. Our idea of Lent is to put our phones face down for maybe a couple of moments. Of some of us, it's it's social media. We can't step away from Snapchat without feeling like we're suffocating to some degree or another. We are all instinctively devoted. The question is, devoted to what? Um, And by the way, I call it instinctive because you don't remember a moment when you woke up and decided, I am going to be devoted to these things. You found yourself devoted to your independence. You're going to do you and you don't want people telling you what to do. That happened instinctively. And um, what Luke tells us, though, about the thriving church is that they were devoted, not instinctively, but intentionally. They marked a moment where they made a decision to be devoted to decide we are not going to stop paying attention to these things. We are not going to forget these things. We're not going to miss these things. We're not going to stop practicing these things. It was an intentional devotion. Yes, yeah, the kind of devotion you will need if you're going to get on the keto diet, um, whatever that is. I've heard about it, never done it. It's, it's the kind of devotion it requires if you're going to be consistent with family dinners. It takes an intentional devotion. And here's what I'm telling you. The church in Acts chapter 2 thrived because they marked moments 
and they intentionally devoted themselves to the kinds of things that caused the church to soar. And that is true about us. If we're going to experience, if we're going to be part of a movement that is seeing God do the miraculous, a movement that's experiencing favor in our community, a movement that is experiencing revival as something frequent, we are going to have to mark moments. We're going to have to decide intentionally that what matters to Jesus for his church is going to matter to us. We are going to prioritize and keep coming back to those things, things like his truth, which we're going to talk about in future conversations, things like the well-being of other people. We're going to talk about that as well. And, And as we continue to mark moments and devote ourselves, then we start to see the results that we all long for, the kind of church that we all want to be a part of. So let me ask you two questions. Here's the first one. Have you ever marked a moment in which you have determined that you are going to be devoted to the kinds of things that help the church thrive? Here's the second question. If your devotion determined how much the church thrived, how much would the church be thriving right now? Just asking for a quarantine, friend. If it was determined by your devotion, how much would the church be thriving? We want to continue to have this conversation, again, because we believe in a season like this, God has his best available to us. The question is, are we going to take on an attitude of devotion and practice the kinds of things that help the church to soar and thrive regardless of the season?